welcome to The Other 420. And it's not the 420 you think it is. I'm Sue. And I'm Jill. And our show is about how someone in their 40s and 20s are navigating this crazy world together as Korean-American professional women trying to figure out what is happening in our lives. So come join us for the ride. Welcome listeners. I hope everyone had a great week. Welcome to our 15th episode. How are you doing, Jill? I'm doing good. Um, I had a really good weekend. I know our podcast is late again this week. That is my bad. Yeah, this was a big um, week for you. It was a big week. It was my one month anniversary. Of dating the boyfriend. Of dating the boyfriend. Yeah, it's been a month of us being like official, official. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty good. Now it's like one of my top longest relationships because the past two were very like short term. Like you were there for the last one. It was very short. Um, And then we realized like we were just better off as friends. Whereas this one, it feels different in the way of, I think we're kind of in it for the long haul because then we wouldn't have gotten together if we weren't like really committed and we want to see it all the way through. And one month is a big deal it is a big deal and it feels longer because we see each other so often so it's not like we see each other once a week or twice a week we see each other like every other day pretty much yeah and i know that you were telling me that you have these really and i think you said that to the in our podcast last time is that you have these really in-depth conversations with him yeah And I feel like when you have in-depth conversations with someone, you connect at a deeper level, probably quicker. Yeah, like we do have our conversations like surface level where I would either like complain about work or he tells me um, like things that are going on in his life. But then we're able to have those types of conversations, but also go on like a deeper level and talk about like our past or maybe our, you know, previous like hurts or things that we get like anxiety about or nervous about so we can have those good conversations and you do build intimacy especially at the age that you're at now because you have a lot of life that you've experienced Mm -hmm. and still a life to experience and so you can reflect on those moments and times and now it's very korean to celebrate the 100 days yes 100 days and i think i like did the math where i asked google and it'll be like in march like 20th or something so then we'll be celebrating 100 days of being together well and you know they say that it takes 100 days to gain a habit yes so we'll see if in 100 days this is it your habit of being in a relationship yeah oh and i kind of want your advice on something or like what are your thoughts because we just booked our tickets to go on a vacation to Korea in the summer. So that's in June. And I remember telling like one of my coworkers and she was like, whoa, that's like a big commitment because it's a lot of money and that's also pretty far away. And I was like, is it? Because I don't think we took like it. We didn't have like a second thought booking it, but I wanted to ask your opinion. What do you think about it? I think that, well, it's interesting because I think it's a different answer 
based on the couple. Hmm. But knowing both of you, even if the relationship didn't work out, both of you would be really mature where it would end amicably. Yeah. So I could see you both going as friends. Yeah, I feel like we would ride the plane as friends and then we'd probably do like our separate thing and then we'd come back (laughs) on our plane ride coming back yeah this doesn't seem like a relationship that would end on bad terms like you are not both of you are not volatile Mm -mm. or uh, irrational or dramatic Mm -hmm. so if it the relationship fizzled out yeah i don't think it would be on bad terms yeah because you we were just talking about how an ex-boyfriend and you are actually good friends yeah and then isn't there another ex-boyfriend from high school that you still talk to? I think we at first, not that we'd ended badly, but like we didn't really talk. And then as we became like adults, like we did still talk like here and there. So like we are also on good terms. I think there's only two that I, I don't talk to anymore and I don't think I'd ever talk to. And then two that if like I saw in person, like I would say, hey, what's up? Yeah, and I think that both of you are mature enough and both of you have been in different relationships to know if it was rushing or if it was too fast. And um, if you always lived in that fear of, well, I can't plan for the future because I don't know, then you would never plan, especially trips because you do have to plan that in advance. And if it doesn't, if something happens, then we like deal with it then and there. But I remember, you know me, like I'm a person that struggles with like planning and future and unknown because I really just crave security. But I think right now I'm in a phase where I'm learning. I'm like, hey, I don't need to know the future, right? Like I don't need to know like, is this relationship like really going to work? Is it not going to work? Because I think now I'm over that hump. Because in the beginning, I think we even had conversations where I was like, what's the point? Not what's the point, but like I got nervous. Like we were putting investing a lot. Um, and what if it doesn't work out? But you're like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Because every experience you can look at as a learning experience where you learn a little bit more about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so for our listeners today, we really thought it's January. And for us, what do we think is an important topic to discuss? And I think we both agreed that we wanted to talk about mental health. Yeah, I remember we were having a conversation and the topic of mental health came up and we were saying how mental health is one of those things where it is like universal, right? And that's something that every person has experience with. So it's not just like somebody in their 40s or somebody in their 20s, you know, somebody in their 60s or 70s can struggle with mental health and also somebody... 10 years old can also have their own experiences. So it is one of those things where um, we can all relate to it. But do you think that we all could relate to it? Especially in our Korean community, Mm -hmm. mental health is something that people have a hard time understanding. Yeah, We always say that when you can see that person's struggle or Mm -hmm. disability... You have a lot more empathy to see what they need or what they lack. For example, if you have bad eyesight and you need glasses, Mm -hmm. we can see that. Yeah. 
mental health is something that you can't see. And I know even with my mom having these conversations about people struggling um, with dealing with life is something that she even doesn't quite understand. Because we were talking about, um, I know um, somebody who has a child, um, a middle school child, and that child is struggling with depression. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to her about that. And she said, what does a kid have to be depressed about? Yeah. Because for her, she's a product of the Korea, after the Korean war, she grew up in Korea where it was really hard for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then she immigrated to the United States, not speaking any English with two little kids and then having to build a life. Yeah. During multiple times of hardship. Mm -hmm. And so for her, she doesn't understand why a 13-year-old would have depression when they have a roof over the head and Mm -hmm. they have parents and they go to school and they're not dealing with these adult issues. But we know that suicide is really big in the Asian American community. I think girls have, Asian girls have one of the highest rates of depression in our country. And then suicide is a big problem in Korea. Yeah. One of the leaders in the world. I think I agree with you on everything that you said, but when you were sharing that story about your mom and how, you know, in her experience of, you know, coming to this country with two young kids and I wonder if there were times when she struggled with mental health but she didn't know like oh this is I'm struggling with mental health because she didn't have the right vocabulary like if times of maybe she was maybe either depressed or had anxiety but they didn't have the words to say like this is what it is but with mental health I think there's two big things to that as a person you kind of have to identify or realize Mm -hmm. number one is it experiences and situations that are causing you to feel a certain way like trauma yeah Yeah. i think trauma is tied really heavily to mental health that we don't talk about or is it really another factor which is more chemically unbalanced Mm -hmm. mental health yeah and I feel more often than not, we're not given the tools to deal with the trauma. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it is what it is. You just kind of deal with what you got, you know? And I think you're right that that's why there's a stigma with mental health because it's not known, right? And with trauma, I feel like a lot of times we lack empathy of, oh, that happened to you? No, this happened to me. So it kind of didn't, so it shouldn't be as big. You know, you shouldn't be as struggling with it because I went through something worse and I didn't have depression. You know, I didn't have anxiety. I didn't struggle like mentally like you. And so I think that is a big component of mental health, like kind of comparing, um, you know, one person to another and it's, you can't see it. You know, like on the surface, it might look like they're not struggling, but actually like they might be really having a hard time. Well, I think for us, COVID and the pandemic was a perfect example of 
something that the whole world experienced yeah. together. Because rarely is there something like that the whole world would experience. Yeah. But how we experienced it during that time, especially during the shutdown and lockdown, mm-hmm. people responded differently. Yeah. There was some people who just were paralyzed in fear. Mm-hmm. There were some people who completely didn't acknowledge the COVID or pandemic. Yeah. And then there's people in between or people who dealt with the ramifications after. And that's an example of how people uh, experienced it differently and the results that happened and impacted their mental state. Yeah. I mean, I think it impacted everybody because can you imagine like back at that time where we all had to stay home, like we couldn't go out and there was like so much fear. The fear of the unknown. Yeah. And we were all in it together. Um. Yeah, I think about that time. How did you struggle? I did not struggle the way that I think we were very cautious. Mm-hmm. I think that we um, were we followed all the rules and expectations, yeah. and we were very careful. I don't think that we. Um, I would say for my kids, because we didn't live in that fear, my kids didn't live in that fear. Mm-hmm. So we talked about washing your hands and wearing your mask. But I do know that for my kids, staying at home all the time, especially my oldest, who was eight at the time, I could see him changing. Mm. And this goes back to the mental health. Like I could see him being a little bit more irritable. Yeah. And I could see him, uh, the impact of not being with other kids. Mm -hmm. So actually, because, so the shutdown happened in March and around May, June, I looked really hard for a camp where they could interact with other kids And I found one and I sent them because I knew that I had to weigh the fact of my kid getting COVID versus Mm -hmm. his mental health. Yeah. And so we had to make the choice and we sent him to camp. And I saw my own, I saw him come back to who he was. Yeah. And, you know, the baby was a baby, so she was fine. She was a baby. And then the middle one was still, he was young. He was five. And so the older two we sent, and I feel like my son came back to me. But if I didn't send him mm. and I waited, I could see him be more depressed Yeah, as an eight-year-old because he is a very social kid. And kind of going off of that, do you think as an eight-year-old and with the stigma of mental health be- like evolving and changing, do you think he has the vocabulary? And if he is struggling, he's able to say, oh... I'm struggling mentally. Oh, maybe I have depression or I have kind of symptoms of depression or I I have a lot of anxiety. Like, do you think he's able to articulate that? Well, now as a sixth grader who is a preteen who's going mm-hmm. through a lot of things, I don't know if he does have that. I don't know if he thinks that it can be helped or 
if the adults are there to do help him with it. So I do try to tell him, hey, if you're going through something, there are adults that you can talk to yeah. about it. And it doesn't have to be me. And I list five adults in his life mm-hmm. that he can come and talk to. Because when we get to the root of mental health, how do we address it is by acknowledging that there's a problem. Yeah. And then acknowledging that we have someone that we can come and talk yeah. to. But I think culturally for our parents and our even our Korean community, sometimes you feel isolated and there is no other option. There is no one else that you can talk to. Yeah. And, but now like even in schools, like we're, kids, they learn about mental health. And so they know, you know, what like mindfulness is, right? They know what self-care is. They know what um, like wellness is. So in that way, like it ha- mental health has evolved, you know, and after coming from COVID, we always say like, oh, make sure to take care of your like self-care. Um, always take like five minutes for yourself throughout the day. Um, and then we teach kids like coping skills and, you know, this is what you do to not only take care of your physical health, but also your mental health. Like, do you think he gets that? I don't think he gets that. I think that he is still really young. I mean, mm-hmm. the reason why we wanted to talk about this is because we know a lot of adults Yeah. that struggle with mental health. Yeah. Regardless if it's through trauma or through just chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. And we have friends. You and I talk about friends or common people we know that struggle with mental health. And why don't they get help? Yeah. And some do get help and they continue to struggle. Mm -hmm. And so if it's hard for adults, how are kids going to be able to identify their own needs or wants? Yeah. Um, Because sometimes you're in it. So... You forgot to say that you're one of the great things that happened this week is that your nephew was born. My nephew was born. Yeah. And the, this week has been so crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, that did happen. A new baby came into our lives. And the reason I bring that up is because one, that's an amazing thing to have a baby in the family. And two, we talked about your sister-in-law and uh, postpartum depression. Yeah. yeah. Because... We talked about you visit her at the hospital and she seemed really great. Mm-hmm. And I told you it's not the hospital. The hospital is a fairy land where the baby <sighs> behaves uh-huh. and it's a perfect angel. And you think that this is going to be so great until yeah. you get home. <laughs> and that baby confuses night and day and mm-hmm. they just won't stop crying yeah. and all of these things. And then it becomes real. And a lot of times you go through postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and you asked me, did you you go through it? And I did go through it the first time and the second time. And the third time, I think because I was more aware Mm -hmm. and I told you she was born in the summer. So where we lived, we had really big windows. Mm -hmm. And so I would just look out the windows and the sun was shining. So I felt healthier mentally. Yeah. But the first and second one, we're thinking back, I did have bouts of postpartum depression, but I didn't know that I was going through that. Mm. You don't know. It's not like you wake up and you think like, I'm depressed. And I think that's the same for everybody. Yeah. 
Don't they warn you? They, you know, um, when you go for the checkups for the babies and then yourself, because, you know, you have to yeah. get checked up frequently, they do ask you, do you have signs of hurting the baby? Really? But that's such an extreme. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, so I'm not depressed thinking about hurting this baby, but I don't feel normal. Yeah. I feel sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what to do. Yes. And that is chemically, right? Yeah. You just had a baby. Um, so your hormones are everywhere. So that's an example of you hear about it. People ask you if you're okay, but you don't realize and you can't name it. Yeah. During that time. Apart from those experiences of struggling with, you know, postpartum depression, are there other times that you had struggled with mental health? We just had this conversation and I don't ever think about a time where I've had pro- prolonged bouts of depression mm-hmm. or being upset or sad for long periods of time or things that I couldn't address right away. How about you? Me, I think there were two different times stick out to me the most. The first time would be probably in high school when I was a senior and that was like the hardest year, you know, because like decisions were colleges come out and, you know, the high school that I went to, it was just so rigorous. It was so academic. And I tell people, I'm like, high school is one of those times like you can't pay me enough money for me to ever go back because I mean, I enjoyed high school, but I really didn't have that full experience because I was so focused like academically and going to a good college that there were moments where I felt like I was only worth my GPA. I'm only, um, you know, significant if I get into this school, if I get this acceptance letter. And, you know, I struggled a lot of like, who am I? Like, what do I enjoy? Like, do I really want to go to college? Like, do I really want to study this? Who am I if I am without my, like, GPA? And I would compare myself to others, and that would be really hard on me mentally. Um, And I remember, like, I was working because I needed, like, extra money. And so I really didn't, like, have a fun senior year, like, in general. And I remember I got really sad, and I think... Looking back, I think I did have depression because I would get so down that I wouldn't even eat. And I actually got to like around like 90, 97, 96 pounds. And people would be like, what's wrong? Like, why are you, why are you eating? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm eating. And I would lie, but I wasn't eating. Like I would go days without having a meal. It's so interesting that you say this about this pressure you felt to get into a really good college because Mm -hmm. you did you went to ucla i mean Mm -hmm. ucla is very hard to get into yeah it's really hard so i can't imagine how much you had to study how much you had to do to be able to get to ucla and how you felt that was your end goal yeah that was all what i was working for and like with every test, I'm like, okay, I would calculate everything. There's um, like a GPA calculator and you put it all in and you like put in all like what your scores and how much every test, like I was so focused on that. So, and I would barely sleep too. 
because you're constantly studying and up all night. And so that was such a hard time. Um, Did you put that pressure on yourself or your family put that pressure on you? I think because I'm the youngest, my dad put pressure like, oh, you always have to do better than your brothers. You know, like your brothers want this, but I expect you to do way better because you're, you know, you're you. So I always felt like I did have pressure from my parents, mostly from my dad, but I also put that pressure on myself and peer pressure because of others. Because everyone else's identity was also your GPA. And what college are you going to go to? Did you apply this? Did you get in? Oh, this person got early decision and they got in. So it was so much of that. Combination of all three. I think that's also very common of what we see in Korea for kids. Yeah. And then regardless if we move to here, our parents bring that with us. Mm -hmm. I never had that pressure. My mom... And dad did not care what college I went to. Yeah. I don't even think I really cared what college I went to. I just applied to different colleges. Yeah. And I just went where I wanted to go, where I thought it was really a good fit. And so thinking back, I think that um, that was not a pressure for me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that pressure. And I also think that I don't really remember having really big issues of depression from 18 on because I I had Jim so Mm. if I was sad yeah or something happened I could talk to him about it and we work through it yeah and the talking through things is what really helps you no that's so true because during that high school moment I didn't tell anybody I didn't talk to my mom. I didn't talk to my friends. I really just internalized all those thoughts that I just shared. And because of that, I struggled mentally. And so I worry about, like you asked me about my son. He does not share as much as his feelings. Mm -hmm. I could see he internalizes it more than the other two. Mm. So that is what I do worry about because I do think that if you are able to share and we create that, that it's normal to share your problems instead of holding it in, which is very cultural. Yeah. It's culturally very appropriate to not share what you're going through and you do internalize it and you don't talk to people about it because it's not about, I think the stigma of mental health, I think it's about not wanting to look weak yeah and it's hard to come to a point to say like i i don't think i'm okay or i'm struggling it's really hard to get to that point and i sure there were two times when i struggled with mental health one was in college and one was in grad school and i think i shared with you it was i call it my perfect storm it was a moment in my life where I was doing full-time grad school and I was working part-time and doing full-time internship. And so it was, I was just so busy. And at that point also, like I had my big thesis that was due and I was kind of slacking on that. And I was going through a breakup as well. And so even that, so everything on top, it was a perfect storm. And there was like one week where my parents and my brothers left because they all went to vacation in Hawaii. And I was all by myself. And I got to a point where 
it was so hard for me to even get out of bed. And I had to like call my friend and say, I'm having a really hard time. Can you come over and help me? And it, it was really hard for me to get to that point, but I'm so happy that I did. And, you know, I was, because of that, I'm now able to say like, if I'm having a hard time, like, hey, I'm having a hard time. Like, I need your help. But up until that point in my life, I don't think I ever reached out to anybody and said, I need help. It's interesting that both of those situations happened tied to school yeah, and your worth around school. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you and I are different. Maybe because you've had the pressure. I never had pressure from my family about school yeah. that I think it's grad school. Your job's not going to ask you if you got to be. Yeah. You don't have to get straight A's. It's not a big deal. And we have a lot of those conversations of, yeah. is it the end of the world? Is this really a big deal? Even when it comes to your breakups, is this really a big deal? This The world is not going to end. You will survive. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, to me, it is a big deal. Like, you know, in grad school, like, I got straight A's. I never got a B because that was that important to me. And when I do go through a breakup, it's big. My world's turned upside down, even if it's a short relationship. So I guess in that way, like, it's tricky because you never know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. Like, that's why we always talk about, like, empathy and understanding. But you'll never know what it's like to actually be in their shoes. And I think sometimes, like, we also have to understand that. Because you're like, oh, if I was in that situation, like, I don't... I wouldn't do that or it wouldn't really bother me but I think I sometimes think that and then I have to come to the realization that I'm not that person but do you think it's also because we internalize and put additional pressure on ourselves that causes us to break down or causes us to have these stressors that it's stressors that we can't impact so um I don't know if my list, our listeners know, but I have a doctorate. Mm-hmm. And when I was working on my dissertation, um, a professor said, a good dissertation is a done dissertation. Yeah. And that really helped me ground myself in what needed to get done. Because it is overwhelming. I had three little kids. I had a full-time job and I was going through writing my dissertation. And I would have to tell myself, this is enough and you are enough. And mm-hmm. a done dissertation is a good dissertation. I wasn't yeah. plan I'm not planning to uh, be a world-renowned speaker on the topic that I wrote about. Yeah. I'm not planning to write a book about yeah. my dissertation. So I'm I just need it to get done mm-hmm. and I'm giving myself the grace. Could it be better? Yeah. Could the research could have gone into more depth? For sure. But I also know my capacity. And I'm okay with giving myself that grace. We, especially in our Korean community, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to live up to a certain um, certain way. And yeah. I think we talked about this even with the actor that just committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole country just was in shock. And imagine the pressure or the burden that he felt that he couldn't get out of. Yeah. When in retrospect, he could have. He could have fought harder. He could have got lawyers. He could have made it more public. Things that people are doing now to 
support him after the fact. Mm -hmm. But we do internalize so many pressures that our family, our culture, community put onto us. And you brought up a good point. That's why it's so important to reach out and to process it and talk about it. Because you're right. I feel like if we had that, if we talked when I was dealing with that, you would have told me like the things that I felt so much pressure about, like I shouldn't. And you would have given me like advice and different perspectives. But again, it was because I was just internalizing it all by myself and I kept it to myself. And it had to get to a certain point where I'm like, I'm not okay. Like I'm struggling, like I need help. But then once I reached out and got help, it it really did like switch for me. I think that's why uh, people are really uh, utilizing the free therapy yeah. that they are being offered. Or even I did the wellness check for my boys and there were questions around their mental health mm-hmm. that I had to answer. Yeah. Because I do think they are screening it much younger mm-hmm. for kids. Yeah. And it had to do with their happiness and their activity and things like that because they know that if they can address it sooner, they can help the kids struggle, go through um, getting better. Yeah. And I think talking about that, like what do you think maybe somebody in their 40s can do to take care of their mental health? For for me... Mm -hmm. I really think that you have to find your people. If you don't want to go to a therapist, you have to find your people that will help you get through it, where you can be very vulnerable with and you can really ask and just even just share your problems. And I think that I have friends that I go to for different things. Mm -hmm. So when I struggle with my marriage or I have a friend that I can talk to, if I struggle with my kids, I can go to them. If I struggle with work, I have colleagues that I feel like would support me. I would say don't ever sit in a place of being alone or feeling that you cannot reach out because of your pride or because of what you worry about what other people would think. Mm. I think we always worry about what other people think. Yeah. Are my good enough? Mm -hmm. Am I good enough wife? Am I good enough mother? Um, Am I good enough at my job? That is something that they they call it like the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Are you pretending to be somebody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that would be my advice is that we're all going through our things, even if you can't see, even if Instagram doesn't make it seem like yeah. your life is that way. Yeah. Someone said to me, wow, your life seems so fun <laughs> from Instagram. And I wanted to say, what are you looking at? My life is not that fun. Yeah. But it is. It's um, even if it you you want to portray a certain thing, find your safe people. Yeah. Your safe people. And your safe place too. And your safe place. Especially because it is hard to find a therapist. It is hard to make that time. Yeah. But it's not hard to call your friend when you need them. But Mm -hmm. I feel like your generation loves therapy. Yeah. You tell me all the time about your free therapy. Yeah. I even, because through my insurance, you can get like free therapy and 
you know me, like even times where I felt like I didn't really need it, I still did it. And it was still a good resource for me to use to be able to just to talk to somebody about things that maybe I wouldn't like bring up to like friends or something that's like on the back of my mind that I'm like, oh, maybe I just don't want to burden some anybody about it, but maybe I'll tell my therapist. Um, but the thing about therapy, I feel like sometimes we feel like, oh, I met one therapist and they were awful and I never want to do it again. Like it's, it's like relationships. Like there's, you know, you're going to find people that you get along with other people that you don't. And you know, like I've had some like whack therapists in my life, but that, that didn't like change my idea on it. And I feel like I would go back and do it again. I also think that's why we started the podcast. Yeah. therapy to talk about what we were talking about just on the sofa yeah and thinking about ways in which we can make ourselves healthier mentally yeah and our hope is that as listeners they can relate and then also understand whether they're going through whether they're looking for a relationship or whether they've been in a marriage for a very long term or whether they're raising kids or work um our relationships with others is that we're all kind of going through these things yeah it may look a little different but we're all trying to do our best yeah and i think that advice that you gave to somebody for somebody in their 40s that also applies to somebody in their 20s like talk about it talk about it with your friend groups like never feel like you are in it alone because you're not and I think we talked about it in other podcasts, but a natural high is so important for yes. your mental health. Like ever since like we worked out, like you feel different after. And I started running with my boyfriend and I hate running, but even after running, like I did feel good and I was like in a better mood, even though I did have a nasty attitude about it. Like during running, like I felt good. And after my workouts, like I feel like there's some weight off my shoulder because sometimes I would come into like a workout class with a lot of stress because it was from like work, but I would leave it feeling like there's something off my chest. Like, you know, I feel lighter and I feel better and feel recharged to conquer, you know, what I need to conquer and face what I need to face. Um, and I think just find little things that make you happy. You know, like sometimes it's not always the big things because we can't always do the big things, right? Like traveling makes me happy, but I can't always travel every single day. But the little things that we can do every single day in our daily lives, um, like really cherish those things. And listening to you makes me also think, man, how many people should we really be also reaching out to? Mm. Think of your friends, think of your family. Is there somebody that you can just send a quick message to that maybe you need to give that first olive branch and they yeah. will take it from you? Yeah. Because people struggle with that too. Yeah. And so I, I want to think about this week, people that might I could reach out to that I feel like, hey, are you going through something right now? Or maybe you're not, but just know I'm here as a friend. Yeah, man, that, you know, I'm going to do that this week too. Yeah. I think I'm going to think about it. I'm going to really do it. Um, but I really appreciate this episode and just like wrapping it up. I 
I always appreciate that we can have this conversation about it. And again, it is something that's so universal and anybody can relate to it. Yeah, and I hope that our listeners are able to get something from this because mental health is not going away and the stigma and the situations around what it looks like for us at different ages is not going to change. So as we continue to talk about it, as we continue to reflect on it, hopefully we're able to um, become people who can actually navigate through whatever struggles we go through. Yeah. So to our listeners, I hope you have a great week, a great day. Um, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, talk. Talk. Yeah, yes, talk. talk to you next week. Thank you.